glad tonight you're ready to receive the word. This, um, 
The answer to that question is the most important answer that any of you can ever answer in your entire life. you got to realize this. The answer to that question not only affects your life here and now, but affects your life eternally. Whether you know the right answer to that question, this is the most important question that all of mankind has to answer in their life is who do you say that Jesus is? Like I said, it affects the here and now, which is important, but it affects your eternal state on who you say Jesus is. And how many know he will be to you whatever you think he is? And you just think he's a good teacher, that's all he is to you. If you just think he was just a moral human being who did good stuff for good people, then that's who he is to you. But if you if you receive him as God, that's who he will be to you. You've got to realize who do you say that he is? Who is Jesus. Now, here's something we got to think about. How can a Jewish man from an obscure town in the Middle East 2,000 years ago be so important? You can ask yourself that. A Jewish man in a random town in the Middle East. Okay, random town in the Middle East. 2,000 years ago, we're still talking about him all the time. Whether you believe in him or not as God, people are still talking about him because he's that important. He's that famous. Just for the fact that people still talk about him all the time, you should have a clue that he's very important whether you think he's God or not. How can a Jewish man in an obscure town in the Middle East 2,000 years ago who lived 33 years, it's not like he lived a really long life, he lived 33 years, he lived, he died on the cross, and he supposedly rose again. Why is that important today? Why do people still make a fuss when you say Jesus? Why do people have so many opinions about Jesus? Why is it important? you got to answer that question. Who do you say that he is? Realize this. No one in all of history is more loved and more hated than Jesus Christ. There's no one in human history more loved or more hated than Jesus Christ. Isn't that the truth? When you say his name on the news, it gets an uproar. You could say Muhammad, you could say Gandhi. No one is more loved or more hated than Jesus Christ. You, you can't deny his impact on all of human history, even if you don't believe in God. You can't deny the fact that his impact on this planet is tremendous. He's the most famous person in all of history. Jesus is the most famous person in all of history. There's been more songs written about Jesus than any other person. There's been more artwork done for Jesus than any other person. There's been more books written about Jesus than any person. We even measure time by him. BC and AD is split in time when Jesus came to the planet. If he's not important, then why is all those things true about him? You split all the time by him like he's not important. And people say, well, Jesus Special. When you split time in half because of him, I think he's kind of important. Whether you believe he's God or not, he's important. Realize more songs, more artwork, more books were written about him than anyone else. Jesus is important whether you think he's God or not. Now, realize he's growing up in church, you realize all the answers to the uh, questions in preschool and nursery. Children's church. Jesus. You know, if you want to get some free candy in preschool or nursery or elementary school, you got to say Jesus as the answer. 
It's that easy. And you know what? Today is still that simple. Jesus still is the answer to all the questions of life. Jesus is the answer still to all the questions you have and will ever have. Jesus is still the answer. But when we're, we're growing up, uh, especially us that grew up in church, I was growing up in church again, but a lot of us see Jesus as um, kind of an imaginary friend we have. Um, we see him as just, you know, a lot of us creative people. When we're younger, we think of characters and imaginary friends, etc. And now if you still got imaginary friends and you're in this group, then you need deliverance. You're not creative, you just need deliverance. But when you're younger like that, you have imaginary friends, and, and a lot of us look at Jesus as an imaginary friend, or we look at Jesus as a superhero. That it's not like we're ever going to meet him, but but we realize he's a superhero and he saves us. So that's awesome. And there's nothing wrong with some of those ideas, but realize he's a person and he's real, and he's more than a superhero that, that you will never meet. And it just did some awesome things and saved people. No, he's a real person. And he is God. You need to know this about Jesus because he's not just an imaginary friend. He's not just a figment of your imagination. He's not just something that hurt people made up to trick you into giving your tithes and offerings. No, he's a real person. And he is God. And realize the whole fact of um, superheroes in our society, we see so many superhero movies. We see so many superhero comic books. We see so many uh, movies with the theme of somebody being a savior is because the world is looking for a savior. And it's the need of a savior. And they, they cloud it over by, by fictional movies. They cloud it over by fictional comic books and books that we read about characters who save either a person or a society or they save a group of people. But it's realized that it's a longing in everyone's heart that they know they need a savior. They might not know who he is, but they know they need a Savior. That's why there's such a desire for movies like that. You ever thought about that? The amount of superhero-based movies that we have in comic books and magazines. And not even superhero-based movies, but we do that with athletes. We put them on the pedestal. LeBron James, for instance, in the, in, uh, the Miami Heat, they put him on a pedestal as a Savior. And he's supposed to save the Miami Heat. He's supposed to save the NBA. We do that to athletes all the time. Guess what? If they don't perform, we want to kill them. Exactly. We've all had those thoughts about athletes before. We do this with politicians, don't we? The reason President Barack Obama got into the White House is because they thought he was a savior. The reason they get anybody in politics, in politics, is they think this person is going to save the country, is going to change the country. And guess what? Every politician doesn't do it. Not just Barack Obama. George Bush didn't do it either. But why do we put these politicians up? Why? Because it's, they're looking for a savior. And they want somebody to believe in. They want somebody to change their life, change their circumstance, change the country, change everything about them. But they're looking for the wrong thing. Jesus is not just a man, but he is God. Now let's look at Matthew 16, verse 15. It says, But who do you say that I am? Notice, who do you say that I am? Everybody has opinions about who Jesus is. Now, can I read you some opinions about what people say that Jesus is? 
ready for this? Now, I've read some of these before, and I'm going to read some of these again, but these are, are real life people, organizations, religious people that say that Jesus is certain things. And they really believe what they're saying. They're not just making this up. This is a real statement from a real book. This is not made up. Okay? Ready? Okay. Liberal Christians say that Jesus was merely a good man, but they are not clear about him being the God man. Now, the thing about a lot, a lot of more liberal um, denominations is this, and even people in society, is that they treat Jesus as just a good, moral person that you need to emulate with your life. They don't see him as God. They just see him as a good example that you need to follow with your life. And you need to do good stuff like Jesus did. But he wasn't God. And you don't really need a Savior. You just need to imitate him because he's a good person. That's the way they view Jesus, which is not correct. Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus was merely Michael the Archangel and created a being that has become a man. Mormonism teaches that Jesus was not God but only a man who became one of many gods, it further teaches that he was a polygamous half-brother of Lucifer. This is real life stuff. I'm not making this up. Now, notice Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Okay, everybody's got opinions about who Jesus is. Whether right, wrong, or indifferent, everybody on the planet's got an opinion on who Jesus is. Uh, you love this one. Uh, New Age guru, Deep Chopra said this, I see Christ as a state of consciousness which we can all aspire to have. Okay? According to Scientology, ever, ever heard of Scientology? A lot of people in Hollywood are Scientologists. According to Scientology, Jesus is an implant forced upon Thetan about a million years ago. Thetan was supposed to be some alien creature. Edgar Casey said Jesus is only become the Christ in his 13th incarnation after shedding his bad karma. Hey, this is what real people think. Like I said, everybody's got an opinion on who Jesus is. The Baha'i faith says that Jesus was a manifestation of God and a prophet, but inferior to Muhammad. Buddhism teaches that Jesus was not God, but rather an enlightened man like Buddha. Islam teaches that Jesus was merely a man and a prophet who was a bearer to Muhammad. Here's what Malcolm X said. You like this. Malcolm X. Everybody know who Malcolm X is? Okay. He was all for black power. And he was kind of uh, violent about it. He wasn't like Martin Luther King. Okay. Malcolm X was violent in his protest. Malcolm X said this. Christ wasn't white. Christ was black. The poor, brain-rotten Negro has been made to believe Christ was white to maneuver him into worshiping white men. Listen to this. A white Jesus, a white virgin, white angels, white everything, but a black devil, of course. That's what Malcolm X said about Jesus. Some of you will enjoy this. i got two more to say, and, and I'm not making these up. These are real-life people and real-life organizations. The Lakota... Native American tribe says that Jesus is the buffalo calf of God. 
lastly but not least, which some of you might be involved in this, there is even a Canadian nudist arsonist, arsonist cult. Okay? Are you ready for what they believe about Jesus? The Canadian nudist arsonist cult. They think that the word Jesus in the Bible is code for a hallucinogenic mushroom that is to, hold on, that is to be eaten before getting naked and lighting things on fire. That's real life. That is a real life organization. A real, I'm not making this stuff up. This is real life. So this Canadian, Canadian nudist arsonist cult believes that is a, a, a code word. Notice for a hallucinogenic mushroom that's to be eaten before getting naked the light things on fire. That's who they believe Jesus is. So we realize here, just from that, that there's a lot more on this paper and a lot more in society that we could talk about who they think that Jesus is. But everybody's got an opinion about Jesus. He's that important. He's that uh, kind of figure in all of time, all of history, that you can't deny him. So you have to have an opinion about him, whether you like him or not, or whether you, what you believe about him is right or not. There's so many on here that are laughable, but that's who they really think that Jesus is. Why? Because you have to make a decision on who you think he is. So, that's what people say that he is. Notice Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And let's look back over at Matthew 1. Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. 
sin. Notice, sin is not something just we do, it's something we are when we're born on this planet. It's our nature, it's who we are. That's where you're saying, well, I didn't even do anything wrong. Well, you were born in sin by nature, whether you chose it or not, you were born in it. Now, because you are it, you will sin, but you were born by nature because of Adam, your original father, you were born in sin. So we have to establish that first. So you were born in sin and you were separated from God. So if you're separated from God, you're separated from life. You're separated from your source. Source. You're separated from your father. You're separated from the person you need to live, to survive, to have eternal life. You're separated from God himself. And so if you're separated from him, somebody's going to have to fill the gap between you and God. Somebody's going to have to make up or make atonement for or pay for the sin that's in the way between you and God and the fellowship you have with him. Like I said, I'm trying to sum up a lot of stuff in a short period of time. So, you're either in Adam or you're in Jesus. Realize this, though. When Adam sinned, he brought sin on all of us. Now, let's look at Romans 5 in verse 15. It says, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the, through the man, Jesus Christ. Verse 16, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Verse 17, for the sins of this one man, Adam, caused death and rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So, either you're in Adam or you're in Jesus. Now, we see that we've all sinned and we're born in sin, and somebody needs to make up for that. Somebody needs to pay for that. Somebody needs to uh, bridge the gap between us and God. Now, we see this in the Old Testament. This is a word called atonement. It's a big theological word. It pretty much means to cover or to pay for. And so, because God was good, when Adam and Eve sinned, to make up for their sin, he killed an animal to cover or make atonement or to pay for their sin. And, and you're saying, well, that's mean of God. Why would he kill an animal? Well, he was either kill the animal or kill Adam and Eve. Because he was the perfect sacrifice. You realize all those animal 
Christ's death time, but they weren't perfect sacrifices. Now, here's something you need to realize. You need to go ahead and go home. Because out of sin and separation, God used animal sacrifices, other sacrifices, temporarily to atone or to pay for their sins, but that was never his plan from the beginning of time. That was only a temporary plan to help God's people. Just understand this. If man is to be redeemed, a man has to do it. Y'all hear? If man is to be redeemed, a man must do it. Realize, a man got us into this, Adam, so a man's got to get us out of this, Jesus. Hello, somebody. An animal can't get us out of this. Why? Because animals are not created in the same image and same class that humans are. That's why they can't make up for human sin. They can only temporarily cover man's sin. So that is the importance of Jesus coming to earth as a man. And there's something else we need to realize. Let's look back over at Matthew 1. You're still here. You didn't go home. I told you I'm trying to cram a bunch of stuff that can take hours to explain in just a period of time. Just keep listening. Here, if, if man got us into this mess, then man's going to have to get us out of this mess. Now, okay, well, there's plenty of godly men in the Old Testament Abraham, Moses, Noah, David, Joseph. Why couldn't God just chose one of them? Good question. If a man's going to get us out of this, he's got to be perfect. Because if you're not perfect, you die and someone takes care of your sin. You got paid for your own sin. So if you have sin in your life, which all of those men, Abraham, Joseph, David, had their own sin in their life, so if they died, they would be only taking care of their own sin, not anybody else's. Now, the reason God had to become a man, I'm about to preach. We realized a man had to sacrifice, a man had to get us out of this, but no man was qualified. be qualified to pay the debt of sin. You have to be qualified to take the sins of the world. Because if you're not, you can only take care of your own sin. So we realize this, because some of you are like, well, well there's just a lot of good people. You know, Abraham was a good person. And, you know, Joseph was a good person. Why couldn't he do it? Why couldn't Solomon do it? Why couldn't Noah do it? Why couldn't Abraham do it? Because God's standard is not good, it's perfect. And the sacrifice has to be perfect for the sin to be taken away. The sacrifice must be perfect for the sin to be taken away. So that leaves the whole world in, in a very bad place because no man is perfect, so what is everybody going to do about it? That's why all during the Old Testament, they're prophesying about a mediator, about a, a Messiah, about somebody coming who's perfect, a Savior, to save all of mankind. Because they realize none of us are perfect, so who's going to pay for this? Because we can keep sacrificing uh, animals the rest of our lives. It's not going to work. So we realize man had to do it, but no man was qualified. So God, who is perfect, who is qualified, had to become a man. 
take care of the sin problem of the world. Now, if Jesus is God, if Jesus is fully God, then let's understand this. Jesus is God in the virgin birth. Some people debate the virgin birth. Just because you can't get your mind around it doesn't mean it's not true. Okay? And realize the virgin birth had to happen or
say, well, I mean, I just went Jesus and still walking around here. Man, that's God with us, but how much more he sent the Holy Spirit now God lives in us. That means he never leaves us, ever. That means we don't have to go to a certain area of the country. We don't have to go to a certain continent to find God. God lives on the inside of us by the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit of Jesus is living on the inside of you. I'll get you here tonight. To realize Jesus is God. Now let's look at verse 21. If he shall bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Notice Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. Realize the name Jesus originally in the Hebrew means God saves. Just for the fact that his name, his name implies what he does and who he is. The name Jesus means God's saves. He's telling everybody who he is and what he's here to do by the name Jesus. And notice he named himself. And his name means God saves. God saves. Jesus' name means God saves. Now, that's where people start getting a little irritated. Why? Because the pride of mankind comes up in your life when you start talking about needing things. You need a savior. Implying that you're wrong and you need somebody to help you. All of the pride in everybody's life on the entire planet, everybody's had this issue before. It raises up in you the pride to say, I don't need any help. I don't need any saving. That's why people have a hard time Jesus being God, because if Jesus is, is God, that implies that you need faith, and you need help, and you need change in your life, and a lot of people don't want to admit that they have issues, and they need faith, but notice his name tells us who he is, it means God saves, God saves, well, let's look over at Philippians. Jesus, they got issues with you. I don't care how nice you are on TV. And you say you 
name of Jesus. People want to pick on you when you say Jesus. Why? Because at that name of Jesus, every tongue will confess. Whether willingly or forcefully. At the end of time, you can either say it right now or you're going to say it in eternity. One way or another, you're going to say the name of Jesus before it's all said and done. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and confess that he's Lord. Now, it's good for us. We have the option to say it willfully and to accept him as Lord and Savior. But eventually, all of mankind is going to admit and say that he is God and he is Lord and he is Savior.
lot of people that have a lot of opinions about Jesus who he is, what he does, that are not necessarily right, but you can't deny his significance. No person can deny that he was really a person, he was really here, he was really here in history, even, even if you believe him as a historical figure. He was here. Everybody can recognize that he was here and he was very important. Now, we try to point to you tonight just in some ways we're going to talk a lot more about Christ and try to sum up a lot of stuff in a short period of time that he is God. And the reason he had to come, the reason why God had to come to earth as a man is the sacrifice for all his sins. We talked about that. What was the purpose for him coming? But he said like this, T.S. Lewis said this about Jesus. He said, when, when you come to Jesus, you have to decide what he is. You have to make a decision. He demands a response. And he gave three categories. He said, either Jesus is a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's holy. It's up to you to decide who he is. Now, he said those three things, and everybody's like, well, you know, I don't want to put him in, in, in the liar or lunatic category. I'm going to put him in the Lord category. But the, the reason C.S. Lewis said that is you either got to call him a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord, because the things that Jesus said, the things that he taught, the way that he lived, he doesn't give you the impression by the things he said and what he did that he's just a good teacher. You can't come to that conclusion. If you really read the Gospels and read what Jesus did and said, you can't come to the conclusion he just thought he was a good teacher and a good person. No. Because a lot of people want to, they don't want to deny Jesus, but they just don't want to put him in a God, Lordship category. They just want to say, well, he's just a good person, a good teacher. But C.S. Lewis said, if you really read the Gospels, you can't put Jesus in that category. Because by what he said, he wasn't any of those things. He was either a liar, either he lied about who he was in the Gospels, he lied about what he did in the Gospels, or he's a lunatic, he was just crazy out of his mind by the things he said, or he's Lord. Now, realize this, up to this period of time, and even after, for hundreds and hundreds of years, there were prophecies about a Messiah to come. So there were many, many people that came and said that they were the Messiah. They said that they were God. They said that they were the Savior of the world that was supposed to come. Jesus wasn't the only person who said that. That's why Jesus came to the conclusion that you either call him a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord, because there were many people in that time period that came and they were bold-faced lies that they were the Savior. Messiah, so they can get followers. There's many people in that day, and still today, if you look on the internet, if you watch TV, that still think that there's Jesus Christ and the Messiah. And they're a lunatic. Or either he was the Lord. There's no middle ground with what you think about Jesus. There's no safe ground with what you think about Jesus. That he's just a good teacher. He's just a historical figure. No, he's either a bold-faced liar who lied about everything he said, everything he did. Or he's either a lunatic, he's a crazy person, like a lot of crazy people that still come today and say that they are God. Or he really is who he says he is, and he said he was God, and he said he was the Lord. It demands a response. It demands that we make a decision. There's no middle ground with what you believe about Jesus, because Jesus said he is God. 
synagogue team didn't reveal this to you. Your parents didn't reveal this to you. Your pastors didn't even reveal this to you. But my Father, who is in heaven. So I'm believing, can you believe with me that we're going to receive revelation about who Jesus really is 